0: You are listening to Dove Valley Deep Divers with Eric Trickle and Lance Sanderson. Ball comes out of the hands of Newton. It's on the ground, picked up by T.J. Ward at the four-yard line. Vaughn Miller did it again on Overtime Media.
1: Mile High hello everybody in Broncos country. Welcome into another episode of the Dove Valley Deep Divers Podcast. I am your host, Lance Sanderson, and joining me, as per usual, is my good friend and colleague. He is Mile High Huddles, senior NFL draft analyst, the one and only Eric Trickle. Now, obviously, guys, Broncos play the Week 18 game against the Los Angeles Chargers in Denver. um, Final home game of the season. Um, Pretty meaningless game moving forward like there's not a whole lot of implications for Denver here other than some draft positioning for the Seattle Seahawks um for the Chargers it depends on an earlier outcome of the Cincinnati Bengals and Baltimore Ravens game to if the Chargers really have anything to play for so they may be resting some starters here really kind of a meaningless game Eric so with that let's talk some NFL draft how are we doing buddy
2: I'm doing good and as you said like trying to figure out a topic for today and it's like this game is it it's meaningless there's nothing for it it could a denver win depending on other results in the nfl could change their pick they're sending from seattle anywhere from third overall to fifth overall and that's the range and then as you said it playoff seating it could be determined by the time the game even starts Chargers could be resting starters it, it's a meaningless game obviously we know the coach is going to be fired so there's and not that even if he wasn't it wouldn't change anything on that front anyways like it's just nothing. And before we get into it, all Jetty Splash comes in with a $10 donation. And are we facing even more agonizing frustration listening to crickets? while wondering when our O-line is being addressed in drafts, trades, and free agency acquisitions. Um. Well, we got to wait a little bit for all that until March, I'm, but they're definitely looking at it. There's no way they can't look at the offensive line performance this year and think we, we don't, we can stand Pat, not just with that. I mean, contracts of certain players, We'll probably hear about Graham Glasgow being let go probably sometime in the next couple months before free agency starts in March. So it's just gonna take a little bit of time because we got to get there, but they'll de- they'll definitely address it. How we gotta wait and see. But they'll be adding to this offensive line.
1: Yeah, for sure. And I think a big thing that you're going to see here with the with the Broncos organization moving forward, obviously, it's going to be interesting to see which direction this uh, the 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 offensive scheme is going to go, the running scheme, um, and the passing scheme for that matter. But depending on who they hire as their next head coach, whether it's Sean Payton, Jim Harbaugh, Dan Quinn, Shane Steichen, completely different offensive schemes for the most part. There's some similarities between all of those guys, but. Steichen likes to run more zone, zone reads, stuff like that. Quarterback run. um, They're they're not running power schemes like a Jim Harbaugh, like a Sean Payton like to do. So when we find out some more clarity with what this uh, coaching position is going to look like, we'll find out a little bit more clarity with the offensive line. I do think that the Broncos – Despite only having, I think it's like 19 million dollars in cap space as it sits right now, and they're they're going to get some more. to restructure restructured Garrett Bowles potentially, Ronald Darby as well, a prime restructure candidate there. Um, moving on from a couple different guys, Graz, Graham Glasgow as well is another guy to potentially look at. So they're, they'll they'll get to probably 35, 40 million ish dollars in cap space. I think that's where you're going to find the Broncos do the most of their looking in in this particular. Um, offseason is finding free agent veterans the guys that have some experience it's not great looking out there right now but I think they want some veteran presence on the offensive line moving forward rather than diving directly into the draft to go and get a whole a whole brand new offensive line it's never a good strategy anyways you want to fill some holes that you can in free agency and then really fill out the rest of your roster with the NFL draft so that to me is the direction we're going to see this team going with Eric what do you think on that
2: yeah, and on the note with how much salary cap they have, we have to remember that they are they are likely headed towards a $20 million, almost, franchise tag of Draymond Jones. Like, unless yes. they get a contract extension done, they're going to tag him at the very least. That's $20 million that comes off the book. So what they open up is basically what they're going to be doing with, as Scott says in the chat. Chase Edmonds is gone. Jacob Martin's gone. Ronald Darby's probably going to see himself cut. Graham Glasgow, those are all guys that can free up upwards of $20 million in salary cap space that Denver can work with on top of potential restructures, Garrett Bowles being one of them. A couple other names have been tossed out there. So they have ways to get it, and that's going to be part of it. But salary cap space can be used up quickly. Fortunately, the Broncos have rich owners, and the richer the owner, the easier it is to work around the salary cap with bonuses. Denver just has to be cautious of doing that because of Russell Wilson's contract and potentially moving on from him next year. Now, our conversation tonight is going to be about draft prospects in the national title game Monday, TCU versus Georgia. And before we get to that, I just want to make a quick comment about the direction of Dove Valley Deep drivers over the next coming months. Well, we I am the senior draft analyst for Mila Heddle, and Dove Valley Deep drivers is going to be a draft show. We'll talk about coaching candidates. We'll talk about the coach when he's hired. But some way, somehow, it's all going to come back to the NFL draft, talking about scheme fits for the scheme or the prospects that fit the scheme the broncos are running on both sides of the ball we are we made the decision to shift focus to solely on the draft basically and provide as much information on these prospects as we can even though denver only has one pick in the top 64 it still potentially can end up with more with a trade down or moving players but um, that's the way we're going that's why we decided to move to the you know the national championship game draft talk and draft with that now before we get into that Lance, who do you have winning the national championship game?
1: It's it's fun because I want to be trendy and pick TCU, but Georgia's going to bury him. Like Georgia is, is so good defensively. Um, they're they're good enough offensively, even with the limitations of Stetson Bennett as the quarterback there. They're still good enough offensively that they can they can get some things done. But that TCU defense, man, they're fun. It's a really fun three, three, five defense. They floated the ball really well. They, they there was a great thread from a coach that was really kind of explaining the three, three, five. Uh, maybe hit up Nick Kendall uh if you guys get the opportunity on that. Um, and he'll probably retweet it again for everybody. But it, it was just very, very well done, great in-depth analysis on what TCU is doing defensively and how they, they do a, a an opposite stack with the three three five and they're filling their run gaps like that, baiting teams into using um, bigger personnel packages like 21, 22 personnel and stuff like that. So to me, it's it's gonna be interesting because Georgia wants to play that power football. They want to line up in big packages. They want to bury it down your throat. They want to run the football. They want to be physical up front, but TCU and the way that they play that defense, that that spread defense, it's going to be a very interesting game to watch. I want to pick TCU, but I just can't. Georgia's too good.
2: Yeah, I'm picking. I don't care. Results of college (laughs) games don't matter to me. I only watch College get, watch college football to scout prospects. I don't have a favorite team. I don't root for one team over the other, like so it doesn't matter to me. Um, if I had to pick, it would be Georgia simply because the number of draft prospects they have is not just significantly more in number than TCU's. They are much better prospects than yes. what TCU. Yeah. Jalen Carter is pro- is a top three player in this in this mm-hmm. 2023 draft. Fortunately, we're not going to talk about him much because I fully expect him to be gone within the first four picks, five picks I fully of the of the draft. Like, yeah, that's my fears that he'll end up as going to Seattle in that pick that Denver sent for Russell Wilson. Uh-huh. But it, so TCU doesn't have that; they have plenty of prospects. Um, Quentin Johnson is their best prospect, the wide receiver they have that we we're talking about before we went live a little bit. Guy's got size, he's got speed, he's got a lot of the traits that you look for in a uh, modern receiver. But before we get to that, we want to say hello to Colby and thank you for the stars as well as hello thank to you. everybody else in the chat. We have Michael Ronquillo here also saying saying I'd like to send thank you to my Life Huddle podcast host for voting me in top 10 of the my Life Huddle Mount Rushmore. Truly really honored to be a part of it of uh, the mile high huddle mount rushmore go broncos well michael you definitely earned it every yeah. week every day you constantly turn out and support all the podcasts we really appreciate you and all that you do to help you know support us we have right. um craig smith coming in saying good evening broncos country um have a bunch of others here scrolling through it um alessandro's coming in hello alessandro J. cozad is in here um as we saw earlier we have jetty splash in the chat as well mm-hmm. and a bunch of others and we appreciate you all joining us every single week that we are live and not just us but every other podcast
1: i want to give this guy a shout out here lewis condon um or louie i'm not sure if i butchered that i do apologize for that saying you just listen to pennywise stand by me that's a rock song that's a metal song i love me some pennywise i'm gonna have to go check that out here in just a little bit uh first time seeing your name so thank you for joining us and i appreciate you for for being here with us tonight um so hopefully we can uh
0: For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC
1: This evening. Now, Eric.
2: Well, real quick. Can't forget to shout out Ernie Mays. Thank you, Ernie, oh, for up, joining Ernie? us. And of course, Jeff Noyes, who's staunchly defends drew lock in the chat almost weekly appreciate you Jeff.
1: (laughs) (laughs) what's up jeff what's up ernie how how is everybody doing tonight we thank you all for joining us as always on dove valley deep divers on a wonderful friday evening um so eric obviously where the broncos are picking right now is still to be determined because the san francisco 49ers are in the playoffs they're probably going to make a deep playoff run unless brock purdy completely wets the bed which is possible i mean young starting quarterback rookie um, Mr. Irrelevant, and there's a, a potential possibility for him to fall off the wagon in the playoffs. Likely, though, that defense is good enough, the offense is good enough, they're they're coached well enough, the Broncos are going to be picking in the late 20s. A lot of the players that you want to talk about for the Broncos, that they could potentially be picking at number three overall, number five overall, Jalen Carter specifically there, Quentin Johnson, the wide receiver from TV TCU, like you had also said, those guys are probably going to be gone by the time that the Broncos pick Also, Broderick Jones, the offensive tackle from Georgia, is a guy that could potentially be gone from um, well before the Broncos pick. at I think it's projected 29 right now, so the the long ways to go here, so just bear with us a minute. But there's still a lot of high-quality players that the Broncos could potentially be looking at, specifically an edge defender in Nolan Smith from Georgia. Why don't you just get us started with this conversation, breaking down what's a huge need, in my opinion, for this Broncos team at the edge position. Nolan Smith, a guy I really like as a run defender, but I'll let you take it away here.
2: Well, I don't think we'll see him in the natty. He, okay. tore, the, he tore that oh, pack. that's
1: right. I forgot okay. he got injured. I forgot about that. I, Pretty I sure it was that. a pack
2: injury. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah. He, he suffered an injury, and he's going to be out for the year, which obviously um, which obviously is a big issue with his drafts, draft stock, like – injuries of anything of any serious manner is always a concern for it. that's why you have your medical checks at the combine. Uh he's an enticing edge rusher but the the in terms of edges that we will be able to see in this game the TCU the Horn Frogs they have one in Dylan Horton who is a guy who's been getting a lot of hype for the last few weeks for what he has done with that TCU defense and it's a t- it's a defense that he fits so well in. I do have a concern with him in transitioning to what to denver's scheme if they're running something similar because he's not a guy that is a super smooth mover especially with his hand um especially when he's in a two-point stance and not a three point stance so that could be a bit of an issue there and denver is not one i mean they do it with draymond jones a little bit but draymond jones is also a little bit bigger of being that kind of hybrid type hand of the dirt um 2.3 point stance kind of guy and they just don't seem to want to do that with they don't seem to do that with anybody else um, but he could help the run defense, which Denver has needed on the edge again this year. Randy Gregory, when he's been out there, has been not so great against that Baron Browning. He's cons- cons- consistently getting too far upfield and leaving the back the lane beneath him, always open. And then, um, uh, Nick Benito still showing how he's a liability against the run um phil mclaughlin comes in saying evening lance eric and deacon scott great news about your draft show and new show on saturday yes um thomas hall and ron white a guy who was pulled out of the chat, have a new show starting tomorrow it is the orange and blue view so make sure you guys tune in and check that out for their first show
1: yeah, super excited about that! Congratulations to Tom and to Ron, um, both really good dudes, from what I know. I, I we met I met Tom last year at the Mile High Huddle meet and greet. It was nothing but nice to me. But um, congratulations to those guys. Hopefully, they have a lot of success. And Make sure you guys do check that out tomorrow at six o'clock. Um, the uh, <laughs> dang, dang it! i well, what do you think? quick, I just want to say right now.
2: I just want to say, Jeff, I was just joking. I was just poking fun at you like, <laughs> <laughs> about the stuff. Just, Yeah, just poking fun, man.
1: Uh, <laughs> Horton, he's not – I don't know. I'm not sure if he's uh, big enough to play that role. I, I think that there's some some issues there with him. I, I think he's probably better suited as a 3-4 outside linebacker moving forward rather than that 4-3 um, defensive end like, like what you were talking about with Draymond Jones. Um, moving continuously on the uh, defensive side of the ball here, but on the outside where the cornerbacks line up covering all these wide receivers that tricky wide receivers in the NFL. We also have another really good cornerback that we could potentially be looking at here in Denver. You're talking physical, freak, height, weight, speed, athlete, incredibly long arms, super thick in his chest and build. This kid is a wicked tackler. There's some issues sometimes he doesn't do a a great job with his technique, but he is more than willing to fit in the run game. Keely Ringo, the cornerback from Georgia. This kid is really fun to watch the only question i have for you eric is he going to make it down into the late 20s
2: so as physically freakish as he is with the athleticism and his size and everything his season hasn't been so great and the game against ohio state really highlighted that granted it was a tough tough matchup i mean he was mostly Mm -hmm. tasked with marvin harrison jr and marvin harrison jr is easily one of the top prospects for the 2024 draft but um he got targeted 13 times like he, he didn't he hasn't struck fear into opposing quarterbacks really at all this season and when they do target him he hasn't really made him pay i would have to pull up his numbers um his stats real quick for to remember exactly what it is but because of the concerns about him and the way this corner class is i could see him falling a little bit to be in that range maybe not directly to where they fall but they do have those two third round picks maybe they try to make a little package to move up a little bit to get him if that's the way they want to go so it's it's definitely possible that he's within range of them
1: yes for sure the one thing that i remember was watching him in the tennessee game i know he had a really good game against tennessee he had a couple of passes broke up i believe he had two interceptions in that game as well um like You're you're talking a a perfect fit for what Ajiro Evero wants to do, though. I mean, he, he can play press, man. He can play off the ball. He's got the athleticism. His hips are super fluid. He turns and runs downfield. He stays in phase really well. He's got the length that you like to see. And you pair him up with Pat Sertan on the other side, and you have a dynamite cornerback duo for the next 7 years because you're going to pay both of them like you when you have two players like that at the cornerback position you have to figure out a way to keep them together is Keeley Ringo my first target? No, I, I'm I'm probably going to be a little bit more down on him just because I think that he's closer to his ceiling than a guy like Joey Porter Jr. from Penn State, but he's also further away from his floor than Joey Porter Jr. is. There's more upside with Porter, I think, that you can, um, with the athleticism that he has and the length that he has, Porter Jr. is going to be a better prospect in terms of grading for me. But with what Keeley Ringo brings to you, I mean, is You know what you're getting straight up. You're getting a physical guy that has incredible athleticism, incredible fluidity, a physical player. He's not scared to mix it up. You're just going to get an overall solid cornerback. But I think that like on he'll be a low end cornerback, one, a very high end cornerback, two for you uh, moving forward, whereas Porter can be a potential lockdown cornerback. So, So that's the difference to me.
2: Yeah, and with Ringo, I pulled up his numbers and like it's been a rather up and down season for him. It has, yes. The better, the better the team, the worse he was. I mean, he had a pretty solid game against the against Tennessee, but he was targeted nine times and allowed eight catches for that on that for 72 yards. He did get one interception on that one that wasn't caught. Oregon was another team that they kind of they kept targeting him, targeting him with success. South Carolina he allowed every single target to be caught and then the last two week last two games Ohio State and LSU he was targeted uh, 24 total times fortunately he only allowed 11 catches on the 24 targets one was a touchdown and he broke up two passes so it's been a it's been a year where they're not afraid of targeting him and he hasn't really he hasn't done enough to strike that fear as I was saying earlier to make quarterbacks want to look away from him And it's just – there's a lot of technical lapses when I have watched him that is just so consistent that you need the right um, corner coach to help bring about that development. And if the Broncos do stay mostly pat on the defensive side of the ball with Christian Parker as their secondary coach, there's been a lot of praise for Christian Parker going around with what he has done with developing corners, helping get Damari Mathis, even helping bringing Patrick Sertan along. I think that um, Ringo is a good fit for that and – Um, to help bring it on. And I think it's a good scheme fit as well, as you were saying, for what Everett wants to do if Denver ends up sticking with Everett.
1: Yeah. Uh, William Goodwin jumping in here. First uh, first time I'm seeing your name in this chat. He says, I like Ringo, but another corner with other holes. Uh, The reason why I say that is because we're still uncertain as to what this cornerback room is going to look like. I mean, you've got... Um, Ronald Darby, who they could potentially restructure, and I think they're going to want to do that just to keep him around, and he's probably going to be amicable to do that. But he's very well could be a, a cut candidate, a salary cap casualty. They just,
2: I think that's at least, I think that's more likely.
1: It probably is more likely. I, however, as the saying goes, you can never have too many quality cornerbacks. Darby just hasn't been able to stay healthy long enough to be on the field, but when he is healthy and when he is playing, he is a very good player and the, the Broncos defense is better with him on the field. That is a for sure that, that that's an objective fact. Um the, the the big thing to me though is you're going to you, you've already released um Michael Ojemudia Esseng Bassey has been so up and down for his entire career that you don't know if he's going to be sticking around li- li- any later than this. You've got Kaywon Williams. I believe he's got one more year left on his deal. Outside of that, it's Passer Tan and like and a bunch of lower-level roster guys. Cornerback's a need. It, it is a huge need for this team. Edge, like, like we were talking about Nolan Smith a little bit ago, um, Dylan Horton as well. You're, you're talking about, uh, like, yes, you've got – Nick Benito yes you've got Randy Gregory yes you've got um uh why am I brain farting today uh, Baron Baron Browning. Browning. yes that's the one yes you've invested all that into the uh into the edge class, in into the edge room every single one of those guys has holes you can poke in their game and there's no depth behind them I mean Christopher yeah. Allen is still on injured reserve right now you've got Aaron Patrick injured reserve like those are the guys that you have as your depth players moving forward you could definitely see an edge defender being being taken very early, especially given yeah. the, the quality of this edge class. I mean, forget the national championship game here. You've got Isaiah Foskey sitting there from Notre Dame. It's a potential late first round pick right now. That'd be a huge addition for this Broncos edge group. I, I, there's a lot of upside with a guy like that. Super raw, super long, super strong. I mean, there's there's a lot to like about this edge class. You can add a guy there. There's, we're going to keep all of our options open. And I understand, yeah, they may not seem like huge needs right now, but you don't draft for just right now. This is your long-term outlook. This is where like, the depth of your roster is built is in the NFL draft. Yes, it would be nice to pick an offensive lineman here, but at least for the, um, for the national championship game, we don't have any prospects to talk about because Broderick Jones you. is the guy.
2: Broderick, jo- Broderick Jones is, and Broderick Jones isn't viewed as highly as – He's been made out to be by media from conversations I've had with people. Okay, There are a lot of concerns about it, and there's a lot of people that are advising that he should actually return because of the technical issues that he has to his game. He's a solid enough athlete, has solid power and everything, but just the technical issues just have pretty consistently hindered him so far this season that they're going to want to work out. And with this tackle class in general, it's viewed as a pretty decent tackle class. It's just not lacking at the top multiple people that i've seen and i've respect that cover the draft as well have talked about it they don't expect more than one tackle to go in the top 15 top 20 picks and that one tackle was pretty much paris johnson dewan jones the other tackle out of ohio state he's so big and everything and such a labored mover that we're probably going to see him fall a little bit very similar to daniel fa'alele from this last year um depending but we might not see him fall quite as far as fa'alele did um, Broderick Jones, he's one of them. Peter Skoronski. people are not sure where to play him. I've, he can play anywhere from center to tackle, and most folks are going to pigeonhole him onto the inside interior offensive line because he doesn't meet certain measurement standards that a lot of teams have to be a tackle. So Broderick Jones, even if we move past him, if depending on where he declares, where he goes and everything, there are still other uh, often options on the offensive line, and a couple of them, depending on if they declare or not, coming out of Georgia there's their center is if he declares will be one of the top probably 10 centers in this draft class if not top five Cedric Manpran yeah and he's just he has issues he's had issues in pass protection but he has been absolutely killer in the run game consistently for Georgia they have a guard or their other tackle I think is who it actually is um uh McClendon
1: yeah i, think it's I forgot name. about him yeah that's right
2: I, he's a guy who he he's a little bit under he's he's an underclassman that they'll that we're unsure if he'll declare yet or not but um if i remember right he actually took part in the senior day for the for georgia which points to him declaring but he's a guy he's playing right tackle for them That he's probably going to move inside for them there's a really powerful guard from tcu i think it's a left guard name escapes me at the moment who he's got some work to do with you know his movement ability and everything like that. But if you're going to a power power scheme, if say Jim Harba is your coach and you are moving to more power up front in a power running game, this dude would be a great choice. Not in round one, obviously, probably round three. But if he gets your hands on you, you're pretty much done for. Um, he's so physical at the point of attack, and he's just got a little bit of issues with speed and everything. So, you know, double A gap blitz is. Um, can uh, you know give them issues a little bit trying to deal with stunts and twists uh, that's something that has to work out but there are other offensive line options that we're looking at in this netty besides just Broderick
1: right no I, I'm just talking specifically in the first round because uh, I'm not nearly as far into my process as you are everybody knows I usually start around the senior bowl area right around the combine is where I typically do all of my my tape watching and go back and do everything like that I'm so I'm I'm trying to stay caught up with here a little bit. Uh I got a, an article here. I believe it's from thegamehouse.com. So forgive me here. Um are you talking about Alan Ali or John Lands as the the um Um object? I think
2: I think Ali is the name.
1: Right. Okay. Um there, Avila
2: a... Steve Avila.
1: Okay, Steve Avila, gotcha. I, I actually know it, where uh he's probably a th- third or fourth round pick somewhere around in yeah. there. He's a, a guy that you definitely want to bring in. If, you, if you're going to that power scheme, you're absolutely correct. He's a a big, like, I don't know the best way to describe him because he's not like a, a freight train in the running game, but he's a guy that can definitely move some weight around. He's a, a, a very good run blocker for sure. Uh, not the so, greatest in pass protection. I think there's some balance issues with him right now. And hand placement is definitely a problem. But at the same time, Stephen Vila is a guy that you could bring in as a developmental guard. He, you're, I don't know that you throw him in as a starter right away, but as a developmental guy, give him a year and a half or two years, something like that, he could probably get a a pretty good return on your investment with him.
2: So uh, before we come back to that, because there's more I want to add to that, Lawrence Rivera comes in and says, what up guys? All the guys know my hire would be Rich Bissachia. So that being the case, what would be the goods versus bads on him? Um, Bissachia, the former interim coach of the Raiders after everything happened with Gruden, Um, former special teams coach he showed a pretty good grasp on you know all aspects of the game and being a head coach Um, but I mean there there's a reason why that the Raiders didn't want to stick with him part of it is because Josh McDaniels and get ready for them to make a run at Tom Brady because that's what's coming Mm -hmm. Um, they'll be one of multiple teams that are trying to go in on Tom Brady if he doesn't retire but Basaccia is I think there's a limit on what he can do and how he, much he can turn around a team. The Raiders under him vastly outperformed expectations because he was able to fire them up and get them you know, to play super hard for him and everything, consistently week in and week out. I don't think you see that same kind of thing if he is the full-time head coach. I think the whole situation that was going for him, I think that was the big difference with him you know, going from an interim job to a full-time
1: job. I, I don't disagree with anything you just said. Also, as a special teams coordinator for the um, for the Raiders, the special teams unit wasn't very good either. So uh, to, to me, Rich Basaccia is a guy that's uh, very ho-hum hire for me. I can probably think of about five or six different guys after Jim Harbaugh and Sean Payton that I would be wanting to to interview before you even get to Rich Passaccia's name, including guys like Shane Steichen, Demeco Ryans, John Gannon. Um, I would probably rather uh, interview Leslie Frazier and um Jim Caldwell and guys like that that before I would go to Rich Passaccia and and Lawrence I mean it's a it's a it's a very off the wall name off of the beaten path name you you came from definitely outside the box and I appreciate that good conversation too I mean it's a it's a great change up to the the typical norms that we have here everyone's talking about um Jim Harbaugh Harbaugh and and those guys like Dan Quinn, another one there, uh, Kellen Moore, like those are the 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 guys that you always hear. Rich Versace is a name that I'd never even thought of, to to be honest. I mean, it's fun, it's definitely a fun conversation. So, thank you for that. And, um, go ahead, and
2: to be fair, there's a reason why we haven't really thought of it like, and it's what we're getting into now. Going back to the conversation we're having about. Um, Steve Avila in the guard thing. We, I was kind of ribbing you about this a little bit beforehand. One thing that drives me nuts during the draft process, uh, draft process is comparing prospects to some of the greats at the position. Yeah. And while he's not a great, he was always a very underrated guard in my opinion, and always better than people think of. Steve Avila reminds me a lot of Mikey Potty. Yeah. When I when yeah. I watch, he's the physical guy who is a muller in the run game that struggled with the the quickness and everything around the um trying to you know crossing his face and everything like that struggled in pass protection a little bit but you lived with his issues in pass protection because he was just such a stinking physical mauler in the run game that's who that is to me
1: yeah so william jumping in here again great question here what are your thoughts on florida guard osiris torrance um steve avila on steroids the same same guy they're like osiris torrance is completely packed full of power like this dude when he gets his hands on you you're going for a ride we're we're gonna go downfield and you're probably gonna end up on your ass like this dude is completely packed full of power not the best mover not the best pass protector but he has enough grip strength so when he gets a hold of you he's gonna win that rep steve avila like give inject him with a whole bunch of hgh and steroids and make him a lot stronger and you've got Osiris Torrance. Osiris Torrance is probably a second-round pick, in my opinion, because he's a guard only, um, and there and he's very, very scheme-limited. He's going to be a power scheme-only guy. Uh, you might be able to get away with him in inside zone, but you're not running outside zone. So you've got some scheme limitations there with him. If he had a little bit more athletic ability, some lateral agility and stuff like that, that you could really trust him to reach the landmarks that you need to reach in an outside zone scheme – Osiris Torrance would be a great player. He would probably be a first-round pick. To me, I think probably in the 40s, he'll be he'll go in the top 40s, but he's not gonna be a guy that I would look at for Denver at 29.
2: So it was, I think I mentioned this in the group chat, Lance, a while ago. In September or October, I was having a conversation with somebody um who I respect that covers the NFL draft and everything like that. And they meant they brought up Osiris Torrance to me and they mentioned that. He's the best interior offensive lineman prospect that he scouted and rivals Quentin Nelson. To no. this day, I give that to the to this day I give that guy crap for that. Cause I was like, okay, like I hadn't watched him at this point. I turned on the tape, I was like, he's not even close to that. Like, I've not only have there been better interior offensive linemen that I have scouted since Quentin Nelson, he's not even close to that level. Um Quentin Nelson, I mean, he could do it all. Like so oh, sorry, I, as you were saying, he's going to be skim limited because he doesn't have much movement skills. He doesn't have the lateral agility or the mobility that's needed to run an outside zone or really be confident enough in trusting him in an inside zone scheme where there'll be some pulls that he has to do. So a power concept power scheme only is really what you're looking at as playing as your left most likely right guard actually, because mm-hmm. I think that's if he was there were there. I can't remember which side of the line he plays on, but I remember there was a conversation of, that was going on. I think it was with Dane Brugler and somebody else that was talking about it, how he's extremely uncomfortable flipping to the other side of the line, which is something that is not ideal for interior offensive linemen. Yep. The more you can do the better it is. You can play outside, you can play inside, you can play both sides. And flipping sides isn't easy. I know it gets tossed about a lot, but Jeff Saturday – um, before he started became the interim coach um joe thomas um uh jeff schwartz like even even mitchell schwartz they've all Mm -hmm. talked about how hard it is to flip sides and basically the way they put it it's like wiping your butt with the opposite hand like you may be able to do it but you're not going to do the best job and it's not going to be comfortable so that's another concern that i have with torrance is is he really limited
1: Right. And we're going to see here really soon because he's a senior and accepted his invite to the senior bowl. So we're going to see on, on, uh, the week of February 2nd, because the game is February 2nd this year or something like I think it's the second. Um, February so, 4th, the senior bowl. The 4th. Okay. So yeah, on February 2nd, then we're going to see because he's going to be in practices those days. And those are the days you want to watch the senior bowl. We've all been around it. We've all t- talked about it so many different times. The game doesn't matter in the senior bowl. You want to see what the what the practice uh, days are looking like. And Osiris Torrance is going to play on the left side. He's going to play on the right side. He's probably going to play some center in there as well. They might kick him outside to tackle to see if he has that kind of ability. I don't think he's long enough to play out on the outside, but he's definitely powerful enough he could play there. Um, so we're going to find out with, with Osiris Torrance what he actually looks like playing a handful of different spots yeah. on the O line, so it's going to be really fun to see what he looks like. And maybe, maybe we're wrong. Maybe we put him out there um, they get some runs, some outside zone, and he shows us that he can reach those landmarks. Maybe he does play a little bit better as a center, and you know, and he has that that powerful yeah. center um, going against guys like Siaki Ika, uh, Keanu Benton from Wisconsin, Siaki Ika, the nose tackle from um, Baylor, uh, Siaki or uh, Keanu Benton, the nose tackle from Wisconsin. Those are going to be electric matchups because those guys are immovable objects and um, Os- 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 Osiris Torrance is a-, a freight train running rampant. Like It's going to be yeah. really fun to watch those matchups. Um, so real quick, Greg, ahead, Greg Smith
2: comes in with a good question. Does the investigation at Michigan give the owners any pause from still looking at him for head coach? No, they don't care.
1: Nope.
2: Um, NCAA violations mean nothing to the NFL, really. I mean, look at Pete Carroll. Nope. I mean, uh, I was, Seattle I was, wanted him. He got all those violations at USC. Both of the NFL then bother Seattle whatsoever. Nothing at Michigan's going to bo- is going to bother him. What will is you know more severe claims besides recruiting issues, but that's not what it is. It's just recruiting issues. The NFL doesn't care about that.
1: Yeah, and it, it, quite honestly that might make him ditch to the NFL faster because that's what happened with Pete Carroll. You, you want to talk yeah. about that really fast. Pete Carroll had all the recruiting issues and the um, paying Reggie Bush money and Matt Leinart money and, and like all that stuff that was going on. He bounced instantaneously to take the first NFL job that he possibly could to get away. As Scott says, there isn't an NCAA violation that the NFL actually cares about. So it, it the, a, a total non-story. And I think it actually makes it so that Harbaugh wants to leave even more, just so he doesn't have to deal with that. Uh, it's,
2: it's funny the timing of that really breaking because there's been rumblings of that coming out for about a week now that they were being investigated for NCAA violations that came out and then Michigan releases that non-committal statement from (laughs) Harbaugh about how I fully expect to possibly be the head coach of them going forward but you know maybe not like it's Mm -hmm. just it was so non-committal it yeah, as it said, doesn't mean anything. As Scott said, there's no NCAA violation that you know is against any NFL rules. It's only thing that would be an issue for NFL teams is stuff that is you know outside of football issues. Yeah, uh, so that's the that's the thing. And Lawrence comes in with another point says, Me and Vance Joseph had troubles at CU Boulder and they hired him, so so it's um, either, yeah, I mean, that's true. And it, again, it just really depends on what it is, but, you know, that's just a whole conversation that we're not going to get into. Now, going back to the Natty game.
1: I want I that... to ask you a question really fast before we uh, – where are you going with this? I'm so, talking
2: about some TCU des- defenders.
1: Okay, uh, um, let's do that really fast because I want to circle back to the signal callers in this game. I really do. I, I think that's an intriguing conversa- conversation we need to have. So go ahead with, uh, with some TCU defenders really fast.
2: So TCU, as you highlighted earlier in the show, they run that 335. They're trying to force teams to do things that they want to do, and they've had pretty good success with it. Yeah, they have a lot of defenders here, but there's one common thread amongst all these, you know, really good TCU defenders that we're looking at. They tiny, they're small, They're they're small, they're small, and a lot of them are gonna be off boards for that. I mean, um, what is it, D D Williams? or D Watson, the D, linebacker D. uh
1: D Winters, the linebacker D. D. Winters. D Winters. He's a thumper though. He doesn't play to that size. He's a he's yeah. a downhill guy, but he's uh I bet 6'1, 225 maybe. Like he's well, a safety size more than he is a as, linebacker size. He's
2: li- he's listed sub 6 foot.
1: Oh, really? Okay. And That's he's listed far, su- he's far. listed
2: around 225 pounds. Mm-hmm. I don't have it exactly, you know, off the top of my head. Um but the issue with him is going to be arm length because the big thing NFL teams are looking at now, and it's a big reason why um, the Georgia linebacker from last year fell, um, the Kobe Which Dean. One, oh yeah. The reason why he fell is that he was he was small, and what what team NFL teams are wanting is they're one of these longer guys that can help you know shrink that that throwing window that's behind the linebackers but in front of the safeties. It's a tight window. Throw a, it's a pretty tight window throw and the smaller you are the ease the more it's open so length for DeWinters winters is going to be important for him a little bit the corner that the um tcu has um trivius hodges tomlinson yeah i absolutely love him it's,
1: and you know what hard. he
2: fits perfectly for denver because he's been penalized like 13 times this year so he's just <laughs> perfect fit on that
1: he's handsy he's he's hellaciously yeah. handsy but he's also tiny He's five, yeah. like he. I have a, an article right here. He's I bet five.
2: he's not 180 pounds wet. Like they,
1: they have him listed five nine one seventy seven. Like, yeah. it, it, and I, I don't know that he's 175 pounds soaking wet and in pads. Like, he is a small guy, but he's got some decent length for what he is, uh, for as small as he is. He's very, very physical. He plays on the outside at, at TCU, but they also play him, up, uh, line him up in the slot as well, and he can, he can bang there too. He's not scared to get physical in the running games. So there's another little quality you like, but you're not talking about taking him with the, within the first four rounds. I, I wouldn't, not with those size concerns. And he doesn't return punts. Like that would be another option that you had. He's athletic enough. You could probably make him actually do it, but he's not a punt returner. So yeah. where do you, where do, what do you do with a guy like that? When, when, as much like the Ardarius Washington. You remember Ardarius Washington a mm-hmm. couple of years ago, that, that safety that they had? He was 5'9", 175 pounds. I loved him. I thought the tape that if he was 6'1", 225, he'd have been a first-round pick, in my opinion. But he was 5'9", 165 pounds. And just there's no what, – what do you do with a guy like that? So, Travis Hodges Tomlinson, I, I like him. But, like I said, probably fourth-round pick.
2: Yeah, he. I'm looking at him somewhere, day three um he's a guy that he'll come in he'll play in the slot almost immediately you got to cut out the penalties obviously because you know the twenty seven thousand penalties he's had this year is a bit much and it fortunately that he has shown in previous seasons that he can play without getting penalized and he can play extremely well without getting penalized because i think over the the past few seasons he's been penalized less than 10 times over the last three the three seasons previous um He's a guy that, as you said, he doesn't offer up a lot as a punt returner, but he plays bigger than he is. So he's a guy that you could look at as being a gunner and using his speed and his athleticism to get down there. And I think that's one thing that um, is really enticing about him. Um, Jack Jones from Arizona State last year, I think that's a pretty good comparison here for Trevius hodges Thomason without the character issues. Um, And Jack Jones went... Fairly early, just got put on the reserve suspended list by the Patriots, which is totally unsurprising. So Hodges Tomlinson, he's another guy that, you know, later, if you want to bolster your cornerback room, that cornerback depth a little bit, you know, behind Williams and improve over bossy. Like, this is a guy that you could take a look at, at doing just that.
1: Yeah, I, I'm I'm with you on that one. And it, it, the the further he falls, the more likely I'm like willing to take a chance on someone like him. Uh, quite honestly, if he if he went undrafted, he'd be a priority free agent for me. Like that's a that's a guy I definitely want to have on my team, just with the skill set that he brings. I mean, his hips are fluid enough. The, the tape, you the, when you look at it as for what he is as a player, the the tape is nice you just have to take those size concerns and the penalty issues. And I think there's some attitude issues with him as well. I think he gets a little fired up on the field too much. So there's, there's a problem with that in, in my opinion as well. But at the same time, like the the player himself is a fine player. You just have to take all these red flags with him and filter that through your lens. when you, when you take a look at him, so It's going to be fun to watch this TCU defense, though. I'm super excited to see what they do when Georgia goes big, because when Georgia goes big and they really start pounding the football, it's hard to stop that offense. And they have a quarterback here. Perfect segue. They have a quarterback here in Stetson Bennett. And when you look at him as a prospect, the first thing that you see is not a great arm talent, not a great athlete, but a guy that just understands how to play the quarterback position. He's old. He's, I think, going to be 25 or 26 years old, uh, coming up here soon. I I know he's at least 24. Um, And there's not a whole lot of hype to his game. He's just kind of decently accurate. He's a guy that distributes the football very well, but he's not going to wow you with any big-time throws or anything like that. He's just a guy. But I think the floor that you have with a player like him is – better than an AJ McCarron but not quite to like I don't even know the, the best way to describe it with him uh, Eric I, what's your opinion on Stetson Bennett before I make a fool out of myself here but to me I think like a fourth or fifth round pick is a backup guy is a guy that you can just kind of rely on that's intriguing to me with Russell Wilson right now
2: oh I mean I don't agree with you that range but sixth or seventh round okay. is a taller Brett Rippin
1: Yes, there you go. That yeah, very, very much so. Very much so. Timing,
2: well, gonna... timing, and accuracy is what is how he moves the ball through the air. Doesn't have an arm to make all the needed throws, but you can work with him enough that to where he could possibly be a solid backup. And if you're looking at taking a quarterback. I mean, as I said multiple times, every year you should draft a quarterback. If you want to take a guy late, I mean, he's worth a risk to try to develop into a decent backup. And as for his age, he just turned 25 years old in the end of October
1: yeah like like i said he's an older prospect and that's that's always something you really got to watch with with quarterback position because from 19 25. to 25 yep 19 to 21 is when you really want to see that first big step 21 to 23 is where you want to um see them really step into their own and and develop more as a passer get more cerebral within the game and stuff like that by about 25 years old you know what you have in this quarterback and with stetson bennett you know exactly what it is he's he's just enough pocket presence and mobility to manipulate the pocket. He's not going to take off and run on you and hurt you with your legs very often. Um, He's just going to distribute the football, keep the game in check and um, manage the, manage the game and not screw it up for you. He's very secure with the football too. He makes really smart decisions with the ball. He doesn't put it uh, into risk very often, doesn't throw a lot of interceptions. So, yeah, I said, what, fourth or fifth? You're probably right. Probably five, six. He's a day three guy, late day three guy that I would probably be willing to take an oper- uh, take a chance on. On the other side of the football, though, there's a guy. Oh, wait, we got to grab this from Lawrence really fast. Before we hit to Ma- uh, Max Duggan, I want to grab this from Lawrence. He says, uh, oh, and I forgot to say, uh, what about DeMarcus Ware for defensive coach? He's been trying to get into coaching. Uh, have you seen his Instagram? He's been putting in the work. Um, Eric, I'll let you bounce off this really fast. I want to take a, take a thought. On this one, really fast.
2: I mean, there's always a concern. I mean, not all former players make great coaches. DeMarcus Ware seems like one of those ones that he'll be a perfectly fine coach. Um, It's just you want to slowly work his way up. I'm. I mean, if he wants to come in, I mean, didn't he um, consult as a edge? rush specialist for Denver two years ago,
1: three years ago, something like that. It was 2016 or 17, something like that. It was it was shortly after he retired. He came back and worked with uh, Coach Pug um for a yeah. little while. And uh I think he did some stuff in Dallas as well. I'm not Yeah, and
2: yeah, he did in Dallas that. as well. So, so I mean he's got he's got experience in it, and yeah, I mean, if he wants to come in and work with edges, like I'd be all for it. Um It just depends on if he is and there's been speculation for like i think two years now about him taking a coaching position with dallas and that hasn't happened so yeah i mean i'm all for it like he's a guy that i think could really do it and uh really step in that coaching job and what helps out with that is one thing when he was playing that he was praised about was how much help he was to younger path rushers
1: yep Um, and you're absolutely correct on that. He, uh, he significantly helped Von Miller after the whole issue with Von Miller getting suspended, uh, the drugs and stuff like that, coming back from a torn ACL, Von Miller really took off when he got DeMarcus Ware, um, to take him under his wing. And that, that duo was absolutely lethal as far as him being a coach. I, I, the other day, Cameron Parker from predominantly orange put a, a tweet out and he was asking like, if there's one quality that you really want to have in our new head coach, what would it be? And why? And to me, everyone's like, Oh, I want a leader. Oh, I, I want a, an X's and O's tactician. I want a guy that's going to be the adult in the room. I want that. Like the, this specific thing to me, the one thing that I want is reverence. And I, I know that that's kind of uh, ambiguous a little bit, and maybe a little, um, veiled in what I want. But when you have somebody that is revered by everybody, a guy that it's it's more than respect, it's more than being a leader. It, it's when that guy walks in the room, he commands his attention based on his resume, based on his ability as a coach, and based on what um, he brings to the franchise to try to get the best out of all these players reverence to me is something that DeMarcus Ware, who is a a finalist for the Hall of Fame and is probably going to get in this season uh, as, as, as well as just the respect, the leadership, it's everything combined. And with the, with DeMarcus Ware, I think that that would be the perfect guy to come in. If he wants to, if he wants to be the Broncos edge edge coach, I think that he would be the perfect guy because he's still Young enough in terms of his overall age and his playing career is not that far in the rearview mirror here. That some of these young players are going to remember watching him when they were kids. They're mm-hmm. going to have that reverence for a guy like a Demarcus, where and like I said, who's probably going to be a Hall of Famer come the end of February.
2: And on that note, seen a couple of these talking about how he hope goes in as a Bronco. Also, doesn't matter for the NFL. And, yeah. They go in. They go in under every NFL team that they are. They don't. They don't specify. They don't pick one team out of it. Every single team is represented, so mm-hmm. it doesn't matter. I mean, he'll go in as part of the Cowboys and the Broncos, just as Peyton Manning went in as part of the Colts and the Broncos. Like,
1: yeah,
2: it, yeah. Just, it doesn't matter. They don't they don't get a pick. That's not. The, I know what is it? Baseball is like that, isn't it? Yeah, Hall of yeah. Fame you pick one team. NFL's not. So, another way reason why football is better than baseball.
1: Yes, absolutely. I definitely agree with you on that one. And there's a, a, a couple of handful of names coming in here. Speaking of the hall of fame, really fast. Um, Rod Smith is on there. Uh, uh, Tom Nalen, I, I I believe is, is deserving at least of more respect than what he's gets in, in terms of all time centers. Um, uh, Randy Gradishar, obviously Carl Mecklenburg, guys like that. Um, uh, Dennis Smith, uh louie right like there's a lot of there's a handful of broncos players that are definitely deserving to uh be inducted into the hall of fame let's just get Vaughn in or Vaughn uh demarcus in hopefully this season we'll see another bronco go into the hall of fame so that uh that pretty much sums up my thoughts on that now uh last thing here let's break down some max duggan the quarterback from tcu who man this kid's a gamer that's the very first thing that comes to my mind. Whenever you think of Max Duggan, I believe he had a heart surgery before the season was not even listed as the starter. The starting quarterback in TCU ended up getting hurt and Max Duggan then took over as the starter for, for the TCU Horn Frogs. Um, I believe fifth year senior um, definitely a guy that has a lot of tools to work with, but just an overall very raw prospect. Um, I think that, if you're looking for a mobile guy that can really make plays with his legs and also has a highlight arm, this is a guy for you as a developmental guy, so probably a sixth or seventh-round pick. I think that there's enough to work with there. I would take a shot on him as well. Eric, what do you think on Max Duggan?
2: I really like him. I mean, as you mentioned, he had that surgery before um, the 2020 season to on his heart and everything where they he, he talked about that. He opened up a little bit about it this season, about what all they did and how long the procedure was. Um was just reading it up real quickly um while you were talking and like dude fought back from it and that's mm-hmm. one of the things that he talked about was how much recovery he had to go in to get back to playing football. Um I like him. I don't love him because accuracy placement yes. and even his his velocity is an issue, but it's not an issue of that he can't put enough on it, it's that he doesn't know how to rein it in. Yeah, and it's just almost consistently 100% every single throw, and that's led to issues with TCU's offense. It leads to issues with placement. His lower body mechanics need to be improved on a little bit to help with the accuracy issues. He is a guy that earlier day three, round four, round five, I wouldn't mind looking at as a guy that you can try to develop work with to be a backup quarterback. He's got good athleticism. He's got the ability to move it or to use his legs and take off. He's got the ability to make all the NFL throws that you need to. Just Got to fix the accuracy. Got to be the placement. And I believe, despite his time in it, I believe he's still younger for a yeah quarterback too. I, think I he's believe he's.
1: 22? I believe he just
2: turned twenty one or just about to turn twenty two.
1: Yeah, I think I think he's twenty two. Let me uh, let me pick that up really out. fast. He we'll um, turn twenty
2: two on March twelfth.
1: Okay. Uh, thank you for that. the The thing that I like about him the most is just the grittiness. Like this kid just loves to go and make plays guys. Like that's the one thing that you see every time that he's on the field, he loves to go and just do something crazy. It, it, it's insane. The The long run that he had in the big 12 championship game against Kansas state to, to like that whole drive for them to come back from as far down as they were. He literally had an 85 yard drive where he ran on every play and drove them down and scored a touchdown to get them right back into that game. Absolutely incredible the the amount of playmaking ability that this guy has, but it's it's like I said it's raw. His footwork is bad, his accuracy is bad, he has no touch on his throws. It's a like Eric says it's a hundred mile an hour fastball every time it comes out of his hand. There's some placement issues as well. Um, Quentin Johnson bails him out a lot. There's a lot of times where Quentin Johnson will take a bad ball and then make a, a, a an insane play. But just the tools, the grittiness, and the love for the game is something you like to see with a guy like Max Duggan. I, I'm i much with Eric here. Uh, I probably wouldn't take him before the fifth round, um, somewhere around fifth, sixth, uh, middle, day three guy. Sixth round is probably the, the sweet spot for me with Max Duggan. But in terms of a, a player that I, I want to see just have success, the story is great. Um, the 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 grittiness, the the playmaking ability is so much fun to watch. That's a guy that I, I'm going to root for no matter where he goes, and I ha- I hope he has some success at the NFL level.
2: Yeah, real quick, um, there's two more players that I want to talk about before I get out of here. Okay. Um, see people talking about free agent centers, Orlando Brown being one of them of the Kansas City Chiefs. William Catalano says, "If Brown is so good, why is Casey letting him walk?" We don't know for sure they're letting him walk. They still have plenty of time to franchise tag him, and that's the expectation. Is if they don't get a deal deal done, they'll place that franchise tag on him, which is a lot of money. But the Chiefs have a good amount of cap space this year to work with.
1: Well, and he wants uh, to be paid as the highest-paid left tackle in the league, I believe. Yeah. Like he wants a big contract. He he,
2: want, he, he wants a lot, which is only, which is a big reason why it happened now. But you have that franchise tag to fall back on. Now, the last position really to talk about with this, I mean, we didn't really get to talk about the Darnell Washington, the tight end for Georgia, who I'm not as high on as others, but each team has a running back that I think is worth looking at. Yeah. Penny McIntosh for um, for Georgia, and then there's Keandre Miller out of TCU, though we're not sure if Keandre Miller will be playing because he got hurt against Michigan. I mean, he is he's big, he's got good speed, Miller um that is he and he's very physical and he's the guy that i'd be looking at again early day three that's where i think that we're looking at keandre miller to go maybe can crack into the into round three depending on how he tests i mean denver needs to help their running back room even though they have javante williams there is serious doubt that javante williams will be ready to go before you know week four week five of the next season let alone to start the season And even then you still have to have somebody Javante Williams has proven he's best when there is somebody to help, you know, balance him out a little bit. And people have talked about in the chat about helping Russell Wilson with running the game, running the ball. Well, if you have two powerful guys running the ball and you're wearing that defense down and you're forcing them to bring a safety down, adding more defenders into the box. You are opening things up in the past game for Russell Wilson with what with the type of concepts that he can go against. He has consistently struggled throughout his career against two high safety looks. Well, if you make them drop that safety down and you're making the read a little bit easier for him, you're giving him a bigger opportunity for uh, bigger plays, you are helping Russell Wilson by investing in the run game, by going powerful and changing what defenses want to do defensively against him.
1: Yeah, and Kendry Miller is is fun too. Like he's Got some jitterbug speed to him, but he's not like he's not an overly huge back, but he's not tiny. Um, good receiver out of the backfield as well, good footwork through the hole. He does a great job with his vision as well. Um, probably a third-round pick, in my opinion. I need to do some more studying on him, so let me like rescind the the solidity of that comment. But late day two, early day three, kind of a player there. Um, I, I like him a lot. I haven't really focused on Kenny McIntosh. I know he's a big dude and he's fast for his size, but I don't know much about Kenny. I'm going to really take a look at him against TCU this, uh, this weekend, but um, with, with Kendra Miller, there's enough speed there that I think that you offer enough of a, a separate dynamic than what Javante Williams has because Kendra Miller can take the ball to the house at ease. Like he's got enough breakaway speed that you can have him be that speed back. I think he's a decent enough pass protector as well. You can keep him in on third downs, and he does a good job catching the football. So that might be a really good direction for the Broncos to go in in the in the um on day two. I wish they had a later third round pick than I think it's 66 and 68 is what they're picking at right now. I don't know a hundred percent on that, but um, I know that they're picking at the top end of the third round and I'm probably not willing to go that high for Kendra Miller. If he's there at the top of round four, absolutely. I'm all about that.
2: Yeah. And going over to Kenny McIntosh, he's listed by most places around 210 pounds but he plays with plenty of power, and he's got really good acceleration. I like his ability to make a single cut and get upfield and not dance around a little bit too much. I think there's enough that he offers up as a receiver out of the backfield as well that he could be quite complementary to what you um, get out of Javante Williams. And I think that he, with what they wanted out of Melvin Gordon, I think Kenny, Macint- Kenny McIntosh can fill that role more than, you know, miller can because miller is definitely a bigger more powerful back that well he's got decent speed his burst and acceleration isn't you know super ideal
1: right yeah it, he is slower through the hole and he has some some power too he likes to play behind his pads but um I, I like i said i think there's enough long speed there that if you can get him through the hole get into the second level um get him and gets the safety or cornerback he has enough speed to kind of outrun some guys so and I like Kendry Miller. It's another guy I really like to 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 see would be Sean Tucker from Syracuse. Though that's that's yeah. my
2: dude. And real quick, Chase Edmonds. I've seen a couple of people saying about keeping him. You're not keeping him for eight million dollars on the salary cap next year. Not like, a chance. You're not. Like Chase Edmonds is gone, and I can actually pull up the full numbers here about it. Like there, his his deal with Miami was a one year and you're gone type deal. And Denver, when they traded for him, just picked it up. Um, he counts 6 million, sorry, against salary cap. And you can free all of that up by letting him go. There's nothing guaranteed on that deal left. Like maybe they bring him back on a different deal, but on his current contract, he's, he's going to be gone.
1: Yeah. And he's injured. There it is right there. Our Butler jumping in here saying that he's injury prone prone as well. He had a good game last week running and catching out of the backfield. Yeah. He's got an extra gear that you want to see at the running back position that, and if it weren't for the cost and it weren't for the injuries, that's the player you want. A guy that you can really do a great job coming out of the backfield as a receiver, especially if you're going to see a lot more gun two back and stuff like that um, with a, with a coach like Shane Steichen, where they're going to run two different running backs onto the field and attack those guys in the passing game. Um, a, a guy like Sean Payton likes to do that as well. Chase Edmonds would be a great player if he wasn't 6 million dollars and 29 years old. Like there's there's a there's a problem there with a player like that who cannot stay on the field and just doesn't have enough as a a lead bell cow kind of a player. I mean he, he did it in in Arizona there for a minute, but that was not gr- great by any stretch of the imagination. So so to me, I'm, I, I miss me with Edmonds. Uh, you, you can find someone that has is not as big as Edmonds is, but has the ability, the same kind of speed, breakaway stuff. And Deuce Vaughn from Kansas State, and you can pick him in the sixth round and pay him like five hundred thousand dollars a year. Like that would be a more enticing direction to me than bringing Chase Edmonds back.
2: Yeah, and another thing is Mike Boone's already a free agent. Yep. So it's just a matter of you're just cutting that. Essentially, Denver is going to be reworking their whole running back room. I don't expect Latavius Murray back. Maybe we see Marlon Mack um, back, but I think that outside of him and Williams, most of the running backs are going to be pretty fresh faces.
1: Yeah, and you're, and you're probably getting at least one rookie out of that and probably a second you're bringing in as an undrafted free agent as well. So <laughs> um, it's going to be a, a completely new running back room. I don't want to say this, but at the same time, I do. If, if he is there. Did Mike Boone and- fall out of the
2: Hall of Fame for you?
1: No, he's still a hall of famer, still <laughs> still a ring of famer at least in Denver. Um, let's just let's just say it, Eric. If at twenty six or twenty seven, wherever they're picking at, Bijan Robinson is there for the Broncos to draft. You freaking sprint to the podium and go pick him because Bijan with Javante is a wild running back duo, and also like you said, Javante Williams is probably not going to be back to, to till late October. I, I mean, it's, it's going to be a while before Javante Williams is going to be back on the field. So if B. John Robinson's there, you do whatever you have to do to, to slide that card in, because that's an elite dynamic playmaker that at that late with enough holes as you have, you take the best player available. And B. John Robinson's the top three player in this class. That's all there is to it. So anyways, with that, guys, we are at 7 o'clock, 7.03 p.m. right now on a Friday. Thank you all for joining us here on Dove Valley Deep Divers. We appreciate you all for joining us. A great show, great conversation. As always, guys, if you want to keep that conversation going, please make sure you hit us up on Twitter by following me at SandersonMHH and for Eric at Trickle. Also, as Scott was behind the scenes running the ones and twos, at Scout Kennedy as well. Um, also, guys, while you're on the Twit Machine, make sure you guys follow at Mile High Huddle. That is the mother account where you find breaking news and analysis regarding your Denver Broncos, film breakdowns, all of our draft stuff we've got. Uh, five behind-the-scenes prospects, five small school prospects, a whole bunch of draft content coming for you guys right down the pipe here as soon as probably next week we're going to getting started on a lot of that stuff. Um, then also the Finding Bronco series is going to hit that uh, after the Combine gets over at Mile High Huddle. Great place to get all of that content. You'll find everything there. Um, Folks, if you guys are financially able to do so, please help support the show by heading over to huddleuppod.com and get your, your get your swag on. Get the merch, hit the merch tent. Excuse me, get yourself a hat. There's a T-shirt, um, hoodies, face masks, coffee cups, um, all kinds of new stuff over there at huddleuppod.com. Great variety of stuff there as well. Um, it's a great way to support the show. We really appreciate that. And if you guys aren't financially able to do so, with the with super chat stars. The the merch tent, whatever. It doesn't really matter. We appreciate your support regardless. But three things everybody should be doing here. Down at the bottom of your screen, subscribe to Mile High Huddle across all social media platforms on YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, Twitch, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, anywhere you guys get your content. Um, Please follow Mile High Huddle. If you like it, please... Smash that like button on every video, every article you guys see. It really helps us out. But if you love it, share it. That's the big thing here because without your guys' support, we couldn't do what we do best. And getting in front of as many Broncos fans as possible is the best way to help us uh, do that. So with that, guys, I'm going to say goodnight to you all. But before we leave, Eric, any last words, man?
2: Yeah, Todd Osendorf comes in and says, well, unless, of course, we can get Jamal Williams talking about free agents. And if Denver gets Jamal Williams, let's totally do it. This dude should be paid all the money in the world. I don't know if you saw his response to a reporter in the locker room after the
1: game. Yes, I did. So,
2: a reporter asked, uh, like this is the only reason why. Reporter asked him what he's going to do and he said he's going to go home and play Pokemon. The reporter said Pokemon and Jamal Williams kind of made fun of him for saying it. it's not, and Don't okay. disrespect Pokemon. It's not Pokemon. It's Pokemon. Anyway, on a serious note, I'd be fine bringing in Jamal Williams Me too. and doing what he can do. I think he's a, he's a fine running back. I think he's going to get a more money than people think uh, as a free agent because he's absolutely killed it for the Lions this year. I really like Jamal Williams, and I've liked Jamal Williams since he was entering the NFL. I've been a huge fan of him, and I've continued to be. Yeah.
1: Yeah, and he had at one point this season, he had more rushing touchdowns than the Broncos had passing touchdowns. Like, the Broncos as a team had less touchdowns total than Jamal Williams did there for a little while. It was it was crazy. He was so effective in that Detroit Lions scheme. Uh, I, I think he has 16 now. Did he get another one last week? I know he had 15 there for a minute. Did he get? I, he might have gotten another one. So a, a guy with a nose for the end zone and just a, a really great overall player, great back, uh, great pass protector, decent out of the backfield as well. That's a that's a player there, and I would I would really welcome Jamal Williams being brought in because. As Eric said, uh, he's also a Pokemon fan, which if you guys know, uh, fun, fun so- story for you guys before we get out of here. Uh, before Eric and I started Dove Valley Deep Divers, we were trying to come up with a name and the name that we both originally liked was I Choose You Broncos because we were Pokemon f- fans and that's, uh, anyways, uh, he's going to look good in Buffalo next year, unfortunately, With that, guys, (laughs) we're going to say goodnight to everybody. You all stay safe and take care. Have a great weekend. Football all weekend national championship game on Monday. You've also got the South Dakota Dakota State uh, Jackrabbits in the Division II national championship game. That is on Sunday, I believe. So lots of good football. You guys stay safe. Take care. Have a great weekend. We'll talk to you guys same time, same place next week.